we are live. Yes, we are. It is Friday, October 16th. Welcome into Down to the Wire. I'm Brian Costa. And I'm Carter Adams. And we got a we got a just a crazy, you know, a crazy show on this Friday night. Lots in store for you guys tonight. Uh, I don't know if you, I mean, if you can, you can pretty much tell based on, based on the jersey I have on what the most important story of the night probably is going to be that we're going to be leading off with. Yeah. We'll get into that in a sec. I mean, I am by no means a Steelers fan, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, just for the for the sake of sports journalism, we're gonna do it. I mean, do you, uh, do you know too many Steelers fans? Uh, I mm, no, but the ones I do know are radical. Oh, dude, same thing, dude. I knew the one Steelers fan that I really knew, my eighth grade science teacher. Wow, Miss Ketty. Yeah. yeah, big Steelers fan. Big Steelers fan. So, like so if she ever sees this, she's gonna she's gonna have herself a time. Oh my God, mm-hmm. she is. She's gonna. She's gonna absolutely love the fact seeing this. So, yeah. but you know, before we get into anything, ooh, uh, you're good. Yeah. You're good. Ah, uh, yeah. So before, so you know, uh, that should. Pre- uh, let's just get into it then. Let's get into it. All right. So you know, obviously the big, the biggest news probably of the week, I would say, was that uh, New York Jets running back uh, Le'Veon Bell was released and then was later signed by the by the defending cha- by the world champion. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs to a one-year deal mm-hmm. uh, just absolutely bolsters that that uh, Kansas City offense even more than it probably even needed to be. Yeah, I mean, rookie Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was having himself a decent season already. So, I mean, this addition was just absolutely crazy. Yeah, it wasn't even really necessary. Yeah. It was re- it's really just like they're actually putting together their own fantasy football team. Yeah, team. but, I mean, if, if you can, you might as well take them so that other teams can't have them, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I completely agree. I just find it crazy the fact that other teams just that other teams didn't that other teams just couldn't find a, a way to you know yeah. make something happen. I and thought he would have been a great addition in Buffalo. Yeah, that honestly seems like a pretty good place to him, for him to be. Yeah, I mean, you think of like older running backs who still have a little something left. You think guys like like Lashawn McCoy, uh, just different. I mean, even Marshawn Lynch tried to start in Buffalo. So yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's a good running it's a good running back like city. I mean. You can get a lot of good backs in, in yeah. out there. It would have been a big help for Josh Allen. Would have given mm-hmm. him a back on all three down, on all four downs, basically. Yeah. If you think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's just a beast. So I mean, I I wish that honestly could have been the the matchup because that would have put the Bills probably over the top in the AFC East, in my opinion. Definitely. Um. Yeah. Like I said, Buffalo would have been a great addition, but as a Pats fan, that obviously would not have been great. Yeah, that would not have been ideal by any measure of yeah. it. I mean, but even as a Pats fan, I mean, just seeing KC get him, it, it's not really too much better either, I'd say. I yeah, mean, no, no way. I mean, th- do you think this move, I mean, a lot of people had the Chiefs probably taking the chip anyways. Does this, in your opinion, just completely solidify it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't really see any circumstance how this would hurt. I mean, no, I, absolutely. But it doesn't. If, but if there was any questions that you had regarding this Chiefs team, I'd probably say it was oh, a running no. game. Oh, I, no. I already had no questions regarding this Chiefs team, and yeah. now I have – Somehow, even less. Yeah, I, it's it's ridiculous to me. I mean, I can't believe that he's that he's going to KC. I don't think he's active for this Monday night game, so that is so that is unfortunate for them. But when he gets in that when he gets on that field for them, he is going to be a wrecking ball. Yeah, and it's not like he even needs to step on that field for them. Their offense is already yeah. insane. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, Bell's had a couple like uh, you know off the field kind of issues. I mean, he sat on all. He sat out, I believe, all of 2018, basically, over a contract dispute. Landed, yeah. landed with the Jets on a four-year deal. Basically lasted 17 total games there. He's now uh, – he was a free agent for, I think, like maybe two days. Yeah. So, I mean, that was how that was how quickly, you know, teams wanted to – I mean, that, that, that deal in New York should be considered fraud. Oh, my God. I mean, God. that was – That was highway robbery. Yeah. I mean, Ridiculous. He, that, that was a ridiculous deal. I mean, 
I know we were also joking on the show about him possibly going to New England and trying to, you know, and tr- him trying to, you know, get that tandem with Cam Newton. Yeah. But that really just never seemed ideal. Yeah. It, I mean, I mean, you know, B- Bill Belichick has, you know, five really solid running backs on his team. Le'Veon Bell probably is the best out of all those guys. Yeah. But you know, Bill's probably saying, "Well, we got a good system. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I going to try?" And to he's bring not. These? He's not a guy to go out and pick up a superstar like Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Unless, unless it, unless they don't want money. Yeah. Unless they don't want money. Yeah. And, and I mean, he was able to do with AB, but he was able to get him on a very cheap deal. And, exactly. And we were, you know, and we were hurting for a wide receiver. Yeah. It's almost like New England's established this reputation. If if you want to go there, you're going to win, but yeah. you're not going to get paid a lot. Oh, yeah, no, and that's just what it is. I mean, you yeah. think of guys like Corey Dillon who've come there later in their careers, Aqib Talib. I mean, New England is really kind of the place where, you know, if if you've kind of been down on your luck in the NFL, but you were, like, a really good, uh, like, talent at one point, New England is the spot for you to go. And, exactly. And, like, uh, it's basically if you can't get your stuff together in New England, then that's probably the end of your NFL career. Definitely. I mean, that's really just what it is. I mean, uh, Cam Newton's getting a shot there. Uh, through the games that he's been on the field, he's been re- he's been looking real solid. We're gonna see him back out there on Sunday. I can't wait to see what he can't does. Can't wait. Let's get this season on. I know. I mean, it's it's been an absolute mess. I mean, I guess another Pats player tested positive today for COVID. Oh wow. Um, I guess I guess the actual player though was a backup center, okay. so it's really not the biggest deal for us. Uh, but it does look like Cam Newton and Stephon Gilmore are gonna be back for this Denver Broncos game. Uh, Drew Locke does look to be back. Is there anything that really, you know, has caused concern for you going into this into this game? Do you think Drew Locke no, is going to give the Pats I, fits? No, I have really no concerns. Um, if if the Chiefs barely can give us any concerns without Cam Newton under center, um, I have no concerns. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Pats the Pats did prove against that KC team that they were able to, you know, at least hold up against them for the most part. When the fourth quarter came around, uh, I, the breaks obviously fell off. Uh, but I think that they, I think that they showed a lot of promise in that KC game, and I think that with Cam Newton back on the field, they're going to be more riled up than ever. Definitely. Um, do we have any contract specifics on the Le'Veon Bell deal, or not yet? Uh, I haven't seen anything yet. I'm pretty sure it's probably going to be one of those in- incentive laden deals, like the guy yeah. that AB got when he landed here on that mm-hmm. one year deal. So it's going to be like if you like achieve like these things with the team, you're going to make X amount of money. I really have no idea what the base pay is though yet. Yeah. It's it is a one year deal, uh, so I mean he's. This is basically, a, I, I don't want to say a prove-it deal because he's proven, you know, even when he landed with the Jets that he's still got it. Yeah. It's just that, I don't know, he, it's, he's probably just probably, you know, gearing up for another big contract, I think, at this point. I hope so. I mean, he, that guy definitely, uh, he knows how to take the money. He definitely, does, yeah, he definitely knows yeah. how to take the money. And, I mean, NFL running backs do have a shorter shelf life, so this could be, like, this, I mean, this contract coming up could be, like, his last really lucrative deal for him to yeah. basically strike before he ends up kind of just having to take like little kind of like like shorter like shorter deals for less money, yeah. you know, to basically finish out his career. That's just unfortunately the way that NFL running backs mm-hmm. are treated in the NFL. Uh, and I'm just wondering what's going to end up happening. Yeah, me too. I guess we'll have to see. But I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him a uh, an incentive based deal and then uh, let Clyde Edwards-Helaire run all over every single team. Yeah, because then you're getting him. The other teams don't get him, and um, you don't have to pay him a lot either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, if he can if he can get on the field for them, it is going to be it, and really tear up that team. I mean, this Chiefs team is going to be frankly just unstoppable. Unstoppable. And with the and with the addition of Clyde Edwards Hilaire, it's going to be an amazing tandem for them. Yeah, it's like Thanos getting the last Infinity Stone. <laughs> Honestly, at this point, it's yeah. it's been absolutely crazy. Crazy. Uh, you know, and so I mean, that's really kind of the whole gist of Le'Veon Bell and the Chiefs. We're really gonna have to see how he pans out. 
I think he's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I, mean, I, th- I think he's going to come in there and just basically split in time with Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, uh, Tyreek Hill. I mean, what more could a guy want? I mean, I know that Chiefs team lost last week, but I don't know if I see him losing again this season. Yeah, I mean, I it's been – I I mean, I, I think – I have to teams, look at the schedule. Other teams could give him challenges. I mean, I mean, Justin Herbert even took them to overtime. Yeah. So. I mean, I'd say look out. I I think they are obviously, you know, without a doubt, the number one Super Bowl favorites. I don't think – and it's basically first and third at this point. I don't think there is a tier below the Chiefs. You have to be at least two tiers below, which yeah. I know doesn't make it, you know, like relative sense. Mm-hmm. But it's just that the Chiefs are in their own league at this point. No, you're right. I completely agree with that. Um, they're unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, the defense does have some questions, but uh, – but you know they. But besides that, they really are. There are some you know solid spots in that defense. Yeah, and when we're talking about the Chiefs, it's almost like the regular season can mean absolutely nothing because we know Pat Mahomes is going to put on an absolute show. Yeah. In the playoffs. I mean, the guy is just the guy is just a, ma- a one man circus. He can go out there and do everything. I everything. Mean, you got the Nola passes. You got, you know, I, I remember that like high step that he that he did against the Texans in the AFC Championship game. I mean, yep. he's able to really just pull anything out. It's ridiculous. He can just do. Yeah. It was either te- either the Texans or the Titans. I'm not 100 percent sure, but it was, against, it, was, it was against one of those two teams. And he just like did a he just did like a high step move to basically just escape the pressure and get in the end zone. The guy's just a freak. Yeah. Love to see it. Uh, I mean, freak of nature. Yeah, I know. Uh, one of the guys on that one of the guys on that Chiefs defense that we uh, that is kind of a good staple piece is uh, T- Tyran Matthew. Uh, you know, he ended up signing that uh, started his career as an Arizona Cardinal. Uh, then was traded to the Texans, and then the offseason he ended up going to the Kansas City Chiefs when the New England Patriots, uh, basically the season after the Pats, knocked him out of the playoffs. Uh, you know, he went to the Chiefs and, you know, basically became, you know, you know like the leading safety of, on that team, like really kind of helped transform that defense. Uh, there was a recent article on in the Undefeated uh, that was posted on ESPN, and it was basically trying to make the case that uh, – that basically asking the question, is Tyron Matthew like the next great, you know, safety of our era? Uh, you think of you think of great safeties. You think of Ronnie Lott, who dominated the '80s and the '90s. You think of Ed Reed and Trent Palomalu, who who really had their run in the 2000s. Uh, Tyron Matthew right now is a one-time Pro Bowler. He's two times All-Pro. He's a Super Bowl champ, and he was the Hall, and he was the Hall of Fame All 2010s team. Do you think right now that uh, you know, and do you think that where he's going, Tyron Matthew is gonna be you know in the in the ranks of these guys? You know, when it, when it's all said um, and done. No, I honestly just haven't felt his presence enough yeah uh, i know he's a very he's a he's a corner he's not, he's a safety right? he's a safety yeah, yeah i know he's he's an elite safety but um i think he's gonna have to do a little more and he's in the perfect spot to do a little more absolutely i mean he is i mean i could understand like there are a ton of there are a ton of guys on teams where you know you look at darrell Rivas. he was in new york and new york has been bad for ages yeah but he was able to go in there and he created Rivas island he just he just became his own thing and exactly I mean, yeah so i mean you have guys who are able to do that stuff and i'm and it's just like you know if i just don't know i mean tyron matthew he does have the honey badger he has all those like monikers that he has mm-hmm. but i'm just but i feel like he does have another level he can get to yeah you you watch highlights of all these guys that you're just talking about ronnie lott Ed Reed and Troy Palomalu. Just to and, name a few. And these these guys are, they're they're different. I would put I would put all of them in a category that's different. Troy Palomalu, you can tell his mind on the field is just unlike anybody else's. Yeah, I mean you have that. There's that there's that like awesome clip that Pat McAfee does of, of him talking yeah. about Troy Palomalu lining up in the C gap mm-hmm. and just saying that he could read Pat McAfee's tells when he was going out on the field for a fake field goal yeah. try. 
it's like the, there were just some intangibles with these guys that it's just incredible to think about. I mean, uh, you know, Tyron Matthew probably has similar athleticism to these guys, but when it comes to the intangibles, I just don't know if I see it. There, the athleticism and and you know the, that type of talent is one hundred percent there, but I do think there is another level he can get to, and you know, I. I really do think he is capable of getting to it, especially on especially on this really good Chiefs team. And that, yeah, that unbelievably good football IQ and mind just comes with time, I believe. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's he's on track to be one of the greats. Yeah. But he's not there yet. Yeah, I don't think he's there yet. But if, but I think being in this winning atmosphere, I mean, he was in, he was on the Cardinals for a long time. They had their up and down seasons, so, but it was more downs than ups, and that really kind of got got with him a little bit. It was on the Texans, and you know that. We, we just saw Bill O'Brien get fired from them, so the culture there was kind of tumultuous. Uh, you know, now going to the Kansas City Chiefs uh, and being there now, he seems to, you know, really be really have a home there. And, you know, that's going to be a winning culture for at least the next five years. Yeah. That is only going to help his football IQ grow, and I, I think that is going to be just a major benefit for him. And if he's going to, you know, elevate himself to that level, that is the place where he's going to do it. 100%. He's in the right spot. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, another another big story at the NFL right now is that for the first time since 1949, uh, the NFL has canceled the Pro Bowl. Uh, this this time it was is due to COVID concerns, of yeah. course. Uh, this obviously makes sense. I mean, I mean it's very, it's dangerous enough for for these teams to you know have their own guys in a locker room in their own bubble and you know try to and try to you know get them on a plane to play other teams. But then you have all these guys, and then and. It's just it's like oh yeah let's pick and choose random guys and put them in put them in a locker room from all over the it's place. It's just it's just a petri dish waiting to yeah, happen. Yeah, you're right. So I, I mean I completely understand it, but uh, you know with the with the Pro Bowl being canceled, there's already a lot of speculation about it before. Do you think the NFL Pro Bowl will come back? No, I mean I feel or do like, you think it should? I feel like we've been waiting for the NFL to just completely cancel the Pro Bowl for so long. Honestly, who who watches the Pro Bowl? Yeah, I mean I there are some there are some solid Pro Bowl memories. I mean. I mean, I can think of a few. You can think of the hit that Sean Taylor put on put on a punter in that game. I mean, I mean it. Uh, you know, the late Sean Taylor. There was there was a play that he made where he ended up. You know, I. He, it really just showed that he was 100% invested in the game, no matter what. It was a base. The Pro Bowl is basically a scrimmage, and he laid this guy out. Uh, you think of uh, another thing. I think of is Peyton Manning. Uh, he it was his last Pro Bowl, so he ended up. Uh, no, it wasn't his last Pro Bowl, but it was uh, his center, Jeff Saturday's last Pro Bowl. And Jeff Saturday was on the Packers at this point. Bron uh, Manning was on the Broncos, and Jeff Saturday wanted to give uh, one the last snap of his NFL career to be, to be to Peyton Manning. He ended up just switching sides for that little bit to, to give Peyton Manning that last snap to end his career. Uh, another another funny moment, I, I don't know if it was Ed Hockley or who, or who else, but uh, you know uh, he ends up... Uh, it was like very early in the game. He threw a flag and and he and basically when he went on the mic, he said, "Yes, there are penalties in the Pro Bowl, pass interference." And it was just like there are some funny moments about the Pro Bowl, but really, you know, it's not it's not like an MLB All Star game or an NBA All Star game where you guys when you, where you can have guys at full tilt and it can and that competitive edge it really is there. It's not really that. Yeah, there's no incentive in the Pro Bowl. You you go there if you're a player, you get invited. It's an honor. You go there. You play half-assed football and you hang out. Yeah, that's all it is. Completely agree. I mean, the one thing I think that could stay is the act is like the skills competitions. Those seem to do, uh, you know, be a little more, you know, fun to watch. I mean, it's kind of like the three-point competition in in football. It's similar. Uh, it's like the three-point competition in football. I mean, you have the quarterbacks kind of doing like the target practice stuff. You have wide receivers making spectacular catches. So you could have like fun stuff like that. That's going to be trendy on social media. Yeah. Uh, really, the Pro Bowl at this point though is outdated. I think that you know it. 
I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL doesn't bring it back. It really wouldn't surprise me by any measure of it. Yeah, but it, the NFL, it's tough to have something like that all-star game. Um, the Pro Bowl, it's not it's not the best replacement for some yeah. sort of all-star type game. But like I said, there's there's absolutely no incentive in the Pro Bowl. I feel like it's just done in the, the worst way possible. The players, yeah. they'd rather just not risk their – their injuries yeah i mean what's it what's it worth i i mean what do these guys like make like i've heard that like the money for the pro bowl is like terrible yeah so i'm just like it makes no sense and from what you see on on tv and on social media it looks like they just go down there to hang out with each other and have a good time anyways yeah no it's not really about the game yeah no it's not i mean if if an nfl all-star game what like like instead of what the pro bowl if an nfl all-star game could have these guys at their best playing at their best it would be the best it would be the greatest show on tv but you know these guys aren't. But this isn't a computer. This isn't this isn't the Pro Bowl on Madden where guys are where you know they're computer simulations where they don't care about what's happening on the field. They're, these are real people who 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 realize, hey, if I get hurt, I'm a I'm a one-time Pro Bowler. I may have a I may have a little bit in the bank, but if I but if I end up tearing my ACL in this game, my career could be over. Yeah, and you know what happens if you don't go to the Pro Bowl? You're still a one-time Pro Bowler. Exactly. So it doesn't change. Yes. So it's just like I don't know. I I. There's no honor. There's not enough honor in yeah. the Pro Bowl. I mean, exactly. There's honor in an, in an MLB All-Star game. There's kind of that honor in, in an NBA All-Star game. It really just isn't there in the Pro Bowl. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were talking – I, I kind of compared, you know, the players and, you know, in the Pro Bowl of real-life players to Madden players. Uh, one one of the biggest Madden moves that came out this week was that, Seahaw- was that Seattle Seahawks uh, quarterback Russell Wilson for the first time ever was named to Madden's 99 club. Uh, great to see it, 100% deserved. Uh, do you think that? Do you think it? Do you think it? Uh, you know, too late for him. Do you think he should have gotten it earlier, or do you think this is the perfect time for him to get? I it? mean, Russell Wilson's been Russell Wilson for his entire career. He's great. He's a great player. Um, yeah, the fact that he's only becoming a 99 in Madden right now is kind of concerning. Yeah, he should have been a 99 a long time ago. I remember last year, guys like um, who was that? The Seattle Seahawks linebacker. That was a 99. Bobby Wagner. That Bobby Wagner. Why was he a 99? I mean, the guy's a beast, but 99, He's I don't not know. a consistent beast. Yeah. Not consistent enough to be a 99. Look at Russell Wilson. He's throwing five touchdown passes a game. He deserved this a long time ago. Yeah. And I think this is also going to be put the part of the NFL's push to finally get Russell Wilson an MVP. I mean, I know that – I know it's not like the I, – I wouldn't have to say that the NFL tries to fix who they're trying to get their MVPs to, but – you know, if they're seeing Russell Wilson, who has, you know, been an absolute beast in the game of football, not having an MVP, you know, maybe giving them the incentive of being a 99 Madden, you know, yeah. giving them, having them, having them get that really good win against the Patriots, having them, you know, do really well. I think this is going to be part of his push to at least give Russell Wilson the drive yeah. to strive. No, for I that. think this is the year, and you're right. There's, there's definitely a lot of sway from outside outside sources like social media for example absolutely um i think i knew lamar jackson was going to be the mvp last year week week two yeah week two pretty much because he was just all over espn he was all over instagram and it was the same thing with pat mahomes exactly the year before yes but i mean really up until i think that uh probably the year brady won mvp was the last year it was probably you know as was probably the last year it was really kind of just based on performance on the field there was you know there was speculation between should it be brady or carson wentz uh but really besides that's really been the the last time that i can imagine there you know being that um uh being that like actual competitiveness for it right 
at this point, it almost seems like seems like basically a social media battle for it. No, you're right. We know who the MVP is going to be. Yeah. And, and if it, I'm going to take a pick right now, it's going to be Russell Wilson at this point. And I don't have any complaints with that. But, no, me but either. It's, but it's just a matter of like we know where this is going. Yeah. And we wish we didn't. Yeah. It it would be it would be fun to to have to speculate. Ooh, ooh, who's going to end up taking it? Yeah. It, like, I don't know. It. I I if Russell Wilson gets it this year, no complaints. But I like to, but I do kind of like to have a little mystery and like trying to figure it out. Yeah, and um, of course, I at least, I at least want to get to the trade deadline before I before I have a, like a solid clue. Yeah. and of course, there's the the MVP curse as well. If Russell Wilson wins this MVP and he sometimes and he somehow finds himself in the Super Bowl, um, I don't think there's any way he's winning that. Pray Super for Bowl. him. Pray, Pray for, for him. him. Yep, completely. And you know he's on the cover of Madden next year too. Oh, completely, one hundred percent. Yep. Uh, you know. Uh, that's really, I think, all we have in the NFL right now. Let's switch over to the NBA. Perfect. Uh, so uh, one of the biggest uh, – one, of, uh, we have a couple big stories out of the NBA. Uh, one of them was uh, – we talked uh, probably a couple weeks back about uh, Ben Clippers head coach, Doc Rivers, parting ways with, with the team and signing with the Philadelphia 76ers. He's going to be their next coach. Uh, very interesting move. I, uh, Rivers obviously has a lot of experience with, you know, with that all-star level talent. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be interested to see what he ends up doing with those guys. Uh, but the big story, uh, you know, today for LA side is that they decided to go internal and they decided to pr- promote uh, assistant coach Tyron Lou to, you know, take over the reins of Doc Rivers and try to and try to lead this Clipper squad. Uh, very interesting move. I mean, Tyron Lou was the head coach in Cleveland when LeBron won his third ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really is, from what I've seen out of the guy, he doesn't seem like the type of guy who you know, is super demanding of his teammates. He really, you know, if he has a superstar on the team, that guy is really the coach. Yeah, no, that's that's why I've been thinking about it a lot. I know at first I said this was not the right move, but I really do think this is the perfect move for the Clippers because Ty Lue will definitely sit back and let Kawhi Leonard run that team. Yeah, and it's not going to, and it's not going to be, you know, Doc Rivers, I give him a lot of credit. The guy, the guy's had a ton of, you know, success in the NBA, has a ton of experience, but I mean, he is basically a third. He is a third head in that operation. Yeah. If you do, if you do get him out of there, it's gonna just be like the players running the team. And mm-hmm. I, I think Tyron Luke at least is able to, you know, keep it from the, keep the team, keep the guys from the wheels falling off yeah. with these guys. Uh, but really, not much else. Yeah. It's you know, I think Kawhi Leonard is gonna you know be is gonna do just fine at leading these guys, but, uh, but really, I, I think Tyrone Lue is just going to be a backseat guy, and I think that's all he kind of is as an NBA coach. Um, remind me of the Lakers head coach's name. Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel. Yeah. It, like him, in a way. Former Magic coach. Yeah. So, he, it's, so it's just like, yeah. like You like, stand what? there. You can look pretty for the camera and, and, <laughs> and in the huddles. He looks, like Joe from, he looks like Joe from Impractical Jokers. Yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all Ty Lue really needs to be with all that talent on the Clippers. Yeah. I mean, it's – I mean, I think that I think it's probably a good move for for LA. I think that they'll be just fine. Uh, you know, some people have also some people are you know questioning how Paul George is going to do on this team. Uh, people are you know I've seen a big post going around recently that, and it's just saying that like this seat that this uh, playoffs like prove that prove that Jimmy Butler is a better overall player than Paul George. Uh, would you happen to agree with that statement? I would happen to agree with that. Um, I think the only person stopping Paul George from being consistent and being as great as someone like Jimmy Butler is himself. I think clearly Jimmy Butler is a player that is willing to put more work in. Yeah. Paul George would, from what I've seen, rather make excuses than put the work in. Yeah, I I 100% agree with you there. Uh, you know, I don't know 
what who Paul George really thinks he is right now. He does still have a ton of talent. I mean, the guy is extremely talented as in his yeah. position. Uh, and but, he shows that on his good days, just yeah. not on every single day. Yeah, and I mean, J- Jimmy Butler is going to come out is going to come out there and work his ass off every single day. Yep. So I mean, I 100%, I 100% uh, respect Jimmy Butler's hustle a little bit more. Uh, but Paul George, when he is going, I mean, he can prove that he can be a, mm-hmm. a really good option on a team. I mean, you know, he was able to be a staple of the of the Indiana Pacers when he was there. When he went to OKC, he uh, it was argu- it was arguably people were making were making the Basically, it was a, the debate of whose team is this at this point? Is this PG's team or is this Russ's team? A lot of people were leaning PG. Yeah. So, I mean, he does prove that he does have that alpha in him, and I'm just wondering how is he gonna is he gonna be able to really, you know, you know, dig for it and really, you know, get it and really kind of, you know, move with that when he's yeah. in LA. Jimmy Butler has almost proven to me in a way that you kind of need a sense of selfishness to be something great in the NBA. Yeah. You, you it, have to be able to, in your own mind, at least say I'm better than every single other person that's on this court and Jimmy Butler does a great job of it I think there was no way he was wanting that finals more than LeBron but in in years to come if we don't see LeBron in those finals watch out for Jimmy Butler because he has that mentality honestly LeBron has the same one I just think LeBron is a better player and you're not comparing to LeBron James exactly I mean yeah no I mean you're not comparing to LeBron James by any measure and I don't know. It's it's tough. It is tough to. It's gonna be tough to see what Paul George and those and those boys can do. Uh, I think that you know he can step up, but he's got to put the work in. Definitely, he definitely yeah. has to put the work in. No, and, no and excuses. It, you can't make excuses. None. Yeah. Uh, so you know that was uh, you know the promotion of Tyron Lue was a big story in the NBA. The other big story that came out uh, fairly recently was that Rockets GM Daryl Morey, after 13 years with the team, is stepping down as general manager. Uh, Maury said that, that this would, that this move was the right time after a great run. Uh, he, the former executive team vice president Raphael Stone is now the GM of the team. What do you think? I mean, Maury has had a heck of a has had a heck of a run uh, with Houston. I mean, you know he's he's known for he was known for getting Harden to Houston. He got CP3 there. He's been been able to acquire a bunch of guys. Uh, but he's also had his he's also had his controversies as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was you know he ended up drawing ire from the NBA after after criticizing the after uh, basically cr- criticizing uh, China's treatment of Hong Kong protesters during uh, during democracy yeah, protests. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, and basically, he was told by the N- by the NBA that he was that he should just shut his mouth. There was a whole like thing about that. So uh, he's he's been known for a lot of stuff in at least in at least in recently. But he does he does he did know how to put a uh, a pretty solid team on the floor. But really yeah. could never get over that hump of getting to the finals. He'd only went I think went with Harden on the team. He's only been to the Western Conference Finals one time, and arguably was you know uh, like a game away from making the finals if CP3 didn't get hurt. Yeah. So what do you um, what for, is, what are your thoughts on Maury's legacy as, as the Rockets GM and you know, do you think there are going to be a lot of teams trying to covet him in the covet him in the off season? First of all, let me let me correct him. He did not have a great run with the Rockets. <laughs> he had a good run. Okay. If you can if you can make it to the Western Conference Finals even one time, that's a good run. Yeah. I'd only consider it a great run if you won if you won a chip. Mm. Uh, I think this is where James Harden leaves. You do. Yeah. Where, where the heck is James Harden going? Okay, well, I can't get there yet. All right. I haven't thought right. I haven't we'll thought have to take we'll that have to t- much. But All right. um, I really don't see why any other GM would want to keep James Harden around. He is, he's great. He's a former MVP. But I, I feel like if you 
if you get a big man in there and you leave that team in Russell Westbrook's hands, you have a lot better shot at actually winning that finals. Really? Really, yeah. James Harden, he's he's selfish. He's a good player, I mean, I mean, but he's, he's a, not a good team player. I mean, I I I won't I won't disagree with you on the fact that he's not that he isn't that he isn't the best team player. But I mean, I think if you take James Harden out of that lineup, the Rockets are are definitely going to take us are definitely going to okay, take a big take, step back. You take James Harden out of that lineup and you add someone that you can get in exchange for James Harden with yeah, but, his with his value. Yeah, but I'm trying to think like what big man like if. If Shaq was available, if if Shaq was like in his prime, like like Shaq and Kobe, Shaq, if that guy was available, then I'd say, yeah, you have a shot because that guy is an elite center. Really, in the NBA right now, I'm trying to figure. I'm trying. I'm really trying to figure who is an elite type center like like a Shaq in the NBA right now. I mean, you got you can think of guys like Jokic, but even even guys like him, it's it's just like it's not what it's not like what Shaquille O'Neal was. Yeah, I I just I really think there's there's ways that Houston can build beyond James Harden because that guy maybe has proven Embiid. time maybe and time Embiid, again. Maybe but that, he's also toxic. Yeah, maybe Embiid is toxic as well, but. I don't know. I really don't think the the James Harden Russell Westbrook combo has been working good enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys they're both like selfish in their own different ways, but Russell Westbrook is more of a leader and more of a team player. I think James Harden can go play for his foul somewhere else. <laughs> wow. I mean, that that's a hell of a take. Yeah. Yeah. Uh that is crazy. I I'll have to check in with you and and see if you have any any possible ideas, you know, later on, yeah. you know, in no, no, no. in future shows as to where you I think definitely you don't have what it takes to back that up, but I really think that sometimes the the issue is right in front of your face and uh maybe that's your franchise guy. Maybe it is. Maybe it is, honestly. Uh you know, we're really going to see. Uh I really don't know too much about the about his replacement Raphael Stone. Uh, it, if the Rockets seem to have really good faith in the guy, I mean, I think that he'll, I think that he'll do just fine. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Maury was able to, you know, get the stars to Houston, but they, but getting them over the hump was the big challenge. Maybe this guy can do it. We're really just gonna have to wait and see because this guy to me really is just an unknown. Yeah, no, I've never heard the name. Me neither. I mean, and I'm not the biggest basketball fan, but I would have to, I would probably make the argument that really anyone outside of Rockets Nation doesn't know who this guy is. Mm-hmm. So that. I mean, we'll probably th- we probably have to check in with Jake about that. Oh yeah, honestly. We'll, well, he probably doesn't know either. Yeah, on- bandwagon. True. There's a lot of those when you're talking about the Rockets. Yeah, bandwagon. You know why? James Harden. Absolutely. Biggest yeah. reason why anyone would bandwagon. Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so that's really I think that really covers all all the stuff in the in the NBA right now. Let's jump over to the MLB. Perfect. So, uh, you know, a few stories in the MLB. Uh, actually, quite a couple. Uh, you know, w- one of the biggest stories that I've seen recently is that the Chicago White Sox, uh, who were eliminated fairly early in the postseason, uh, put together a great run. I believe were either first or second in their in their division this year, uh, after y- just years of mediocrity. Uh, finally, were able to put together a good run. Seemed to have a really good squad going, but they fired the manager Rick Renteria. Basically, you know, he's been he's been the coach of the team for I believe four years. With the, was the coach of the Cubs for one. Uh, he. He just really wasn't getting it done for these guys, and they're trying to. I feel like at this point they're trying to find like that guy, like how the 2017 Red Sox found Alex Cora in 2018 to mm-hmm. basically take them over the hump and take them to the promised land. Uh, you know, one of the guys that they've been given permission to talk to uh, is former is former MLB manager Tony Larusa. Larusa is a Hall of Famer. He's a three-time World Series champion. Uh, he's a six-time pennant winner, and he's a four-time manager of the year. Uh, he last coached in 2011 when he won when he when he retired after winning the world the World Series for uh, the St. Louis Cardinals at the time. 
Uh, the guy's very, the guy's a very talented head coach. Uh, you know, you know, illustrious career has you know served in has served in many organizations even after retiring as a head coach. Uh, he actually was a member of the Red Sox front office for a little bit. Recently, he was with the Angels. He actually began his career with the Chicago White Sox uh, in 1979 and coached until 1986 when, uh, I don't know if you remember uh, watching the Michael Jordan documentary, Jerry Reinstrup, the owner of the Bulls, also owns the White Sox. So he, uh, so he bought the White Sox in 1986, mm-hmm. fired La and arguably it's one of the worst moves that he ever made. Yeah. So I mean, Rusa seems like a great guy. Yeah. Do you think that? Do you think that, Ch- that Chicago should try going after this guy? I mean, from how he, much he, you're hyping he, him up, it can't he, hurt. He's current. <laughs> well, the the one downside I will give the guy is that he's currently 76. So, okay. Well, so he is an old cat. Well, that doesn't really matter that much in baseball. What do you have to do as a manager? Stand there in the dugout and make a lineup. You do have to stand there in the dugout and make a lineup, but you also need to be to oh, be, yeah. able, be able to rally you guys and, if, and walk if, 30 feet to the pitcher's mound. <laughs> yeah, but if, but can he do it without a walker? Huh? Well. If he's maybe, a good, maybe if he's we need a good to get sh- some handicap ramps in the dugouts, then. I mean, maybe. I mean, we have to. You have to have the, all the social distance and so, stuff here. So you said, this guy is going to be the manager of the White Sox. He is not going to be the manager, but they've been permission to like. They've been given permission to like you know reach out and basically say, hey, would you want to be the manager of the so White Sox? You need permission to talk to anyone. Well, that, it's like it's like the tampering rules and other stuff. Like, uh, it's like it's like if a it's like if a team wants to like talk to Josh McDaniels on the Patriots about being about becoming like the next head coach. Like, they need to reach out to the Patriots if he's still yeah. under contract and say, hey, can we talk to this guy? Definitely. So it's like that. Okay. So, uh, yeah, like I said, can't hurt. Yeah. So, I mean, I would I would actually like to see this move. I think that Tony La Russa back in baseball would be, you know, really solid to see. The guy. The guy's a, the guy's a goat. Love to, see, love to see it personally. Yeah. Uh, you know, another guy being considered for the job, though, is former, is former Houston Astros manager A.J. Hinch. Uh, he's apparently, you know, also in the discussions with the job. Uh, Hinch was the coach of the Astros during their, uh, you know, now infamous 2017 cheating scandal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was basically a lot of reports about Hinch during that cheating scandal that, you know, he was kind of unaware. He was either unaware or he just, or he, he was aware but didn't actively try to stop the cheating. He didn't. He didn't. He wasn't one of the guys that like started it. That was basically, I guess, in Cora's camp, and it was just a whole thing with Hinch. Hinch was basically, you know, just Hinch's fault was basically, I guess, just not doing anything. Yeah. So, do you think Hinch should? Do you think that you know the White Sox should try to go after a guy like this, or do you think that it's just too toxic? Stay away. No, nah, I like the first guy better. You um, do too toxic. Anyone that's been in that Astros front office or not front office in that Astros dugout while they were cheating, not the guy. Really? Yep. I mean, here's the thing. I I do think that Hinch, you know, does have some problems. Going if AJ Hinch without this cheating scandal, though, I'll give you this. I know you're not the biggest baseball guy. Going into this, if AJ Hinch was was a basically a free agent manager, he would be one of the most coveted guys, you know, on the market. Not 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 because of uh, not because of the cheating thing, obviously, but basically, you know, for years the Houston Astros were were a team with you know very little with very little life. They made the they made the postseason in two thousand. They made the World Series. My, my excuse, my my apologies. In two thousand five, ended up losing to the Chicago White Sox. Uh, you know, he. Uh, he is a very he basically the one thing about his ta- talent is that he was able to you know bring a bunch of guys together, uh, you know that haven't been able to have success in a long time and you know finally get a chip out of them. Obviously that chip is now tainted, but that is kind of the that is kind of the dilemma that's emerging right now. Uh, does that really kind of change your opinion on a dollar, or is it still like too toxic for um, you? I don't know. Uh, still too toxic. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think it's gonna be. I, I think if the White Sox were to do it, it would definitely, you know, take a. It would definitely take a 
they probably have to they'd probably end up getting him at a bargain but uh if they were if they think that he could bring that squad together especially a bunch of young guys like what like what Houston was when they came together you think of George Springer Carlos Correa all those guys uh it could be it could work but if he starts telling them, hey, uh, hey guys, so we're going to end up banging on this trash can, uh, yeah, then we're going to have some issues. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens What happens with that White Sox team. They are, they are loaded. They got Elroy Jimenez. They got Jose Abreu, who's now getting up there in age. But, you know, they got a lot of guys. Luis Robert, people are saying, could be the next Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a lot of talent up there. Mm. I mean, Yohan Mankata, the, tr- the third base prospect who I, I, he might be playing second now, not 100%. But he was a prospect that the Red Sox traded to the White Sox in exchange for Chris Sale. At the time, he was the number one prospect in baseball. Uh, you know, they are completely just loaded with talent, and I think they will be. A, I think they will be a very formidable team in 2021. So they have potential for like the first time ever. Uh, really, the first time. In, the first time in my like, you know, my lifetime of at least being a of being like a passionate baseball fan. This is the first time I've seen the White Sox and, you know, been like, wow, these guys actually have life. Yeah, cool. It's been crazy because Good. usually the White Sox, in my mind, are, are an afterthought. But uh, this year, uh, it's crazy to finally see that they actually have a shot. Definitely. Uh, you know, it's great to see, but for, you know, just going to have to hope that they hope that they can build on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, another big story uh, in MLB going into the postseason uh, was that, uh, you know, Clayton Kershaw, who – you know, has been arguably the best pitcher, some people might say, ever, so at least of this generation, has, you know, completely defined the 2010s and even part of the even part of the late 2000s. Uh, some people might say Koufax. Kershaw is a legend in his own right, complete, you know, complete and utter legend, uh, 100% respect to the guy. Uh, the, one, the one area, though, that haunts him, though, to this day still is the postseason. Yes. He still is – Clearly. He still is unable to get it done in the postseason. It looked like he had the perfect situation lining up. He was facing the Atlanta Braves, who he's 14 and 0 against, including the postseason. And it seemed, and it seemed like, wow, Kershaw is finally going to get his shot to come through. You know, it's, it's he. It seems like the perfect storm. You know, th- this is where Clayton Kershaw can finally shut everyone up, and he can finally tell everyone, hey, I'm, I'm this guy. I am Clayton Kershaw, no matter what, no matter what month of the year it is. And he folded. Folded. He folded again. He pitched. He ended up just pitching five innings. I believe it was only 87 pitches. Uh, you know, he did strike out four, but he ended up giving four earned runs and a walk. Took the L. Uh, uh, Atlanta Braves uh, rookie Bryce Wilson or Bryce Wilson ended up pitching six innings, only giving up one earned, five Ks and a walk. Uh, you know, Clayton Kershaw. It it really is. It really is sad. I mean, you see those pictures of him every single postseason now, just of him in the dugout looking just distraught. Yeah. And it's just, and it's just a matter of like, what can this poor guy do? I mean, you know, a lot of people are going to say that he got screwed in that 2017 postseason because of because of the trash cans and stuff. But at this point, you know, there are no trash cans. That, there are no yeah. trash cans in that. And that's, 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 that's why I'm surprised because, like you said, no trash cans. You'd expect this guy to go out into the postseason and absolutely ball, but maybe he just has an issue with the postseason, can't perform under pressure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to see because, you know, this guy's had this guy's come basically, you know, one, one out away from a perfect game. I mean, there was, there was an error by Hanley, by Hanley Ramirez in a game a couple years back, has thrown, I believe, multiple no-hitters. The guy is just – the guy's a stud, arguably the GOAT, uh, but, you know, he just doesn't seem to have that edge in the postseason. And it, yeah. it, it is sad, but, you know – We'll have to just wait and see. Uh, can he, you know, turn something, turn it around in the later portion of his career? I don't think so. But 
you know, anything's possible. It's baseball. Yeah. You know, pe- people figure stuff out at, you know, any odd age. You think of Daniel Bard, who is now, is now pitching for the Colorado Rockies this year. He had himself a, a pretty solid year. He hadn't pitched in the majors since 2013. He retired, I believe, twice in that span. Uh, you know, he, you know, it's possible to really, you know, learn anything at a late age. Uh, David Price, even even at one point, uh, you know, he was kind of known for his postseason struggles as well. In the 2018 postseason, he finally was able to come through and, and was just nails for that Red Sox team down yeah. the stretch. Uh, so, I mean, it, I think it, really anything is possible. Yeah, anything is possible. And I can only hope that he picks it up in the second half of his career. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's at this point, it's just going to be Kershaw just saying, all right, enough is enough. I, he's just got to say, enough is enough. I have to do this. Yeah, he, he does, because that would definitely complete his legacy. I know you just said that he is arguably the GOAT, but I don't know baseball that well, and I wouldn't put him there unless he's won a World Series. Okay. Yeah. Damn. I mean, I know pitching is tough because it's not really under your control. And you're only out there basically every five days. Exactly, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. wouldn't consider him. Really? Yeah. Tough decision, but yeah. you know it is. It definitely is tough because you look at his shots in the postseason, blown him. Yeah, uh, you know. We, so we were also talking about uh, um, one of the one of the teams he's blown it against was the Houston Astros in 2017. Mm, uh, I wouldn't consider that well, blowing it. I, I know you're not. I know. I know. I know you're not going to consider it blowing it. But this is part of the transition I was thinking about. Yep. So uh, you know whether you want to say that that say that that was tampered with or not uh, you know you can you can obviously make the case for saying that that was you know a choke moment and you know some people may make the case for for it not being but uh, you know the other side of that rivalry was the Houston Astros who are who are still currently in the playoffs they uh, they went down three nothing to the Tampa Bay Rays in in their series they you know you know they're trying to attempt a comeback that's only been done by one team in major league history the 2004 Boston Red Sox so it seems pretty much improbable at this point, but they've won two games in a row, and the last game was capped off by a walk-off home run by Carlos Correa, where he where he literally walked, where he literally looked at the manager and, and, and said, "I'm calling game right here," hit an absolute moonshot for for the win. Uh, you know, I don't believe I I I would. It, this kind of seems a little skip, a little hypocritical coming from a Boston fan who saw this happen, but I really see no way that this Houston Astros team is gonna you know be able to come back like this, especially tonight. Because uh, they have Blake Snell, because the Tampa Bay Rays have Blake Snell on the mound. Uh, Snell is a former Cy Young Award winner, and I think that he's just going to close it out tonight. Oh my God, what a hell of a story that would be if the Astros did it. That's, I mean, here's the thing though: the Red Sox, when they did it, they were trying to prove that that they weren't under a curse anymore. Yeah. This Astros team was trying to say, "Hey, we can do that. We can win without cheating." I mean, clearly. The, and but and but they treat but they treat this but they treat this redemption story. With the same amount of passion as the Red Sox trying to overcome a curse, yeah. and I'm and I'm just like these guys have like no self awareness. Yeah, and that's why I was I was 100% go Yankees. Yeah. Now I'm 100% go Rays. But yeah. I mean it's it would have been the it would have been the type of thing if if they had just been like all right we're we're gonna keep our heads down this year we're gonna yeah. be humble and you know whatever happens happens. Uh, but like they've come out this year and they've been exceptionally cocky. Yeah, and I I'm I'm just like I'm like. Like, we can't really be surprised by anything. I'm like, it's, it's not, 2020. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you guys like, it's like I don't know, it's like it's like if I have no idea what to compare it to, but I'm but I'm just like, it's not like you won the championship and then people and then you lost a big big free agent and people are now trying to question you. It's like no, you got busted for arguably the worst cheating scandal since the Black Sox scandal, yeah, uh, of of the early 1900s, 
and you're basically celebrating it. Where where with with the White Sox with the Black Sox scandal, you know the White Sox couldn't you know basically couldn't you know like you know look themselves in the look themselves in the mirror for decades. You know you think a shoeless Joe Jackson is banned from the Hall of Fame for life. You know I I just find it incredible that they're able to relish in this, and I'm just like you have I'm like you know this is one of the worst cheating scandals ever, right? Yeah. I, um, I find it incredible. It wasn't made out to be anything like that by the media, though. Yeah. And that's the sad truth. Yeah. So, I mean, I I think it's over for I think it's over for the Astros. I think this is a nice little run that they're trying to put together at the end. I think it's a nice little fight. Knock on wood, please, because what a perfect way that would be. <laughs> what a perfect way to cap off the year that would be. Yeah, I mean, 2020, I don't think it ended in a worse way with, than, than the Houston Astros probably taking home the chip. I, yeah. I mean, you know, I think every, I think it's basically America versus the Astros at this point. I really hope so. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm hoping that they don't end up doing it, but, you know, we have to going to have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, you know, the um, the team that we root for up in, up in New England, Boston Red Sox, did not have the type of shortened season that we were hoping they would have. Uh, wasn't very surprising. Chris Sale, Eduardo Rodriguez, and a bunch of guys who just outed them this year. They they decided sixty games. What's it really worth? We're gonna take this one off. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you know the Red Sox uh, had major struggles this year. Uh, they they were one of the worst teams in baseball. We're in line for the number one pick. They currently have the number four pick in the draft. This is he- this Hein Bloom's dream. Uh, this is what he wanted going into the season. Uh, you know, do you think that the Red Sox should try to, you know, do another full rebuild year like this, or do you think that, you know, they should try to, you know, try to get some free agents and, you know, build for something? I think it's a lot more worth it to go for a full rebuild. Mm-hmm. I think you can get a lot – if you play your cards right, you can get a lot more talent for lesser cost, yeah. especially in the draft. Yeah. Um, it's just up to you as an organization to develop that talent correctly, and I think uh, teams like the Patriots over – Foxborough, if you take some notes from Bill Belichick himself, he'll show you how to do that. Yeah. Because it's perfect. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, the Sox basically, I don't know. It's it's a definitely a tough situation for the Boston Red Sox. I mean, no bo- no Boston team is trying to see uh, is trying to see a Tampa Bay, uh, Houston Astros type rebuild that, that these guys have gone through. I mean, you know, I know we now, I know, I know now we associate the Houston Astros with the cheating scandal. But for the longest time, it was it was the assumption, the uh, thing that a lot of people looked at them as, is was a franchise that basically you know kind of did what the Philadelphia 76ers did and just sucked for a really long time, acquired a bunch of draft picks, and were basically able to just take it to the next level. Trust the process. That that's and I don't know if I want to be seeing this up in Boston, especially because I don't think the the you know Boston faithful is going to take that too well, and I wouldn't blame them if they didn't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the 76ers are the best example of a team successfully trusting the process. Mm. But um, did you say the Astros definitely did something like that? If you take away with the Houston Astros cheating scandal, uh, they arguably had one of the best, most successful rebuilds, uh, arguably ever. I mean, you think of Carlos Correa, you have George Springer, Alex Bregman. They were able to acquire a ton of talent through the draft. Yeah. And I, if you do take away that cheating scandal if and just look at it uh, through a vacuum. That's a good team. That's a yeah. legitimately good team. And I will say this. I mean, the Astros are a solid team. I'm not going to. I'm not gonna lie about that. They, you know, I'll give them credit where it's due. They are talented. They did. Um, they did have that cheating scandal, but, you know, I will give them credit where credit is due. They have a lot of talent on that team. Yeah, uh, I would definitely like to see something like that happen up in Boston, and that's not only opportunities for your your team to do better. That's opportunities for your your franchise to do better too. So 
you, you have better marketing opportunities because you have more new names to, to market. MLB needs some serious help with marketing. Um, develop more young talent. That's really all it is. Yeah, I mean, I've been looking at the Sox team, and, you know, around the diamond, uh, you know, infield and outfield, it, it, they seem to they seem to still be really solid. Alex Verdugo uh, looks to be really looks to be kind of promising for this team. Uh, there's our, there's you know our, I guess rumblings that the Sox could look to go after George Springer of the Astros in this offseason, bring him in uh, and, and have him be a, a really good outfield bat. JD Martinez is locked in for a while. You got Xander Bogarts, got Rafi Devers, uh, you got Michael Chavis. Uh, they, so they do seem to have a lot of weapons around that team. Yeah. If they do end up trying to rebuild through the draft, it's not going to be for position players like that. It is going to be for pitching, which is much, which is much more difficult to try to predict than position players. Definitely. So that is that is the thing where it's like if you're trying to build a starting rotation for the ages, that's going to be pretty difficult to do. Very difficult. So, it, but the Astros, I mean, they needed everything. Yeah. So it was like third base, we get Bregman. Shortstop, we're going to get Correa. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Springer, outfield, perfect. We're going to get all that stuff. But you know, you have. But you know you got they got very lucky because they needed those position players. When you're going for pitchers, it's like one twang of the arm, y your career is over. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that I think that pitching is going to be the area they need to do. Uh, you know, uh, former MLB pitcher pitcher's son, uh, uh, former MLB pitcher Al Leiter, his son Jack Leiter is in the draft. Mm -hmm. uh, the guy has been a stud. I believe I believe he's pitching at Villanova, and which is just a baseball, uh, you know, complete just, uh, you know, it's just a work. It's basically just pumps up, uh, you know, major league talent. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I wouldn't. He'd be a, he'd be a really good face to see in Boston. I'd love to see it up there. Uh, you know, I we have there's that there's that uh, you know rookie Blaze Jordan who who we signed last year. Uh, a lot of people think that he's going to be that he might be something special, but some people like look at him like uh, kind of like what a Lamella Ball is, where it's just like oh he's more of just a name of, yeah. of, a, of a prospect. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's going to be tough to see. I think that the Red Sox, you know, could get pitching from from the outside and try to just win with what they have. Uh, but I do see, but I do see the appeal of trying to rebuild through a draft. Yeah, I mean, especially with a depleted farm with the depleted farm system that Dave Dabrowski left them with. What's the point in in half-assing a rebuild and coming up short? I mean, you might as well be in it for the long haul and then almost guarantee yourself that if you do it correctly, you're going to start winning. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing though. It is tough though because they do have a, they do have they do have very you know sufficient talent. They have Xander Bogarts, who is you know basically the face yeah. of that franchise now, and it's it's not like they have it's not like half of their infield is just bums. They do have a pretty solid team all around. Yeah, uh, like you said, it's the pitching. Yeah, which which again is very hard to build up through the draft. You know, yeah. you could you could try to acquire arms in, in the offseason. I know John Lester is coming back on the market. He's I'm not saying that he's the John Lester of old, but you know, get him in a get him in a late starters role in that in that rotation. Maybe you could have something. He's coming back as a a pitcher, not to. So he's not re-signing with the Red Sox. There's nothing. Oh about no, that I know yet. he's coming back to the league as a as a pitcher, not a manager. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, John Lester. Yeah. yeah. No, he's he's still he's been pitching with the Cubs. Oh, he's still oh he's still in the league. Yeah. Oh, okay. John Lester's still in the league. Oh, I I had no clue. I was about to ask you how old that guy was. Yeah, he's in, retired. He, he's in his late thirties at this point. Okay. Uh, I could see him coming back. I I guess the Red Sox could target him. I mean, they you know they they load balled him in twenty fourteen. If he decided to come back as as a, like a four string starter, uh, wouldn't wouldn't hurt this team. I mean, it would give the would give the the clubhouse a pretty good presence, a really solid veteran to have back in there. Uh. It's gonna be a very interesting off season, though. Yeah, definitely. I, I, it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting to see which way this team goes. Mm-hmm.
Uh, and before before we end up going down to the wire, uh, uh, let's just jump back to football. But instead, let's jump to college. College. Okay. So before we end up going down the wire, uh, you know, Alabama learned that their head coach Nick Saban was diagnosed with COVID nineteen. Uh, also, athletic director Greg Byrne or Bernie, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, also uh, ended up coming ended up testing positive for the virus. Uh, and Saban basically said it's unclear whether he's going to be able to, you know, communicate with his team for Saturday's game against Georgia. It, uh, you know, should this COVID-19 thing basically act as a, a suspension or should he be able to, you know, somehow be able to, you know, communicate with his team? I don't know if you can get the, I don't know if you can get Zay, uh, Saban in the helmet on a Zoom call. But yeah, there's got to be some way you can do it, especially nowadays. I mean, uh, I mean, you shouldn't be I mean, you shouldn't be penalized yeah. uh, from your team for just getting sick. I mean, everyone gets sick. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's not yeah. like it's not like Saban was doing a Houston Astros, and it's like, and it's like all this stuff happening, and it's like, all right, well, yeah, you're gonna have to sit out a game. It's like, no, the dude got sick, and it's just that we don't. It's just that people don't know how to control this virus right now. Definitely, but um, you can make the same argument for every single athlete that gets diagnosed and doesn't have any any symptoms whatsoever. It's like, it's like they're serving a suspension against their will for I mean, something they didn't do. And it, it that is the double edged sword though, because. You do have these athletes that, are, that serve a suspension, but they actually have to physically go out in the field and, and touch the other players. Yeah. Saban, if you put him in a, up in a booth and just some and just some box, he could still do his no, job. No, you're right. You, he could. You can't put the, you can't put Cam Newton see, or yeah. or any Alabama player no, in a he, bubble. He can, but I'd be surprised if they don't figure out a way for him to do that. I think so. But. I remember there was a I remember there was a clip of a high school football coach who. Uh, you know, he he ended up buying like one of those like big crane things, and he ended up standing up on those to like end up coaching his team when he tested positive. Oh, okay. So they'll figure something out for Nick Saban. Yeah, something. So I'm. We're, it's going to be a very interesting thing to t- thing to take a look at. Yeah. Uh, we're really just going to have to see. They're playing number three Georgia. Uh, you know, so they're having a really good season. But Alabama's Alabama. They've been they've been what they've been since yeah. you know as long as I can remember. You know, so I think that I think even without Saban, they're going to be able to come out there. They're going to be able to, you know, give Georgia their all. Yeah, definitely. So it is currently eight it is currently eight eleven on this Friday night. Yeah, we started a little later because uh, just because we got back from a you know a nice pickup basketball game. Mm-hmm. We were just having a ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I think it's officially that time. We are now down to the wire. Down to the wire. So you know, before we end up heading off for the night, we're going to fill you guys in on everything we talked about in this past hour, uh, and then we're going to head off for the weekend. Yeah. So in the NFL, we started with the news that Le'Veon Bell uh, is signing with the is signing with the Kansas City Chiefs. I broke out the Steelers thread to him just cause, uh, you know, shout out shout out Chris Martin for for hooking me up with the awesome jersey. Uh, you know, we so we talked about that move and you know what it's going to mean for this for this Chiefs team coming up. Uh, we also talked about Tyron Matthew uh, and trying to see is he the, is he basically the, the next safety that's going to be the next great safety of our generation. Mm-hmm. We, we talked about comparisons to guys like Ronnie Lott, Ed Reed, Troy Polamalu. Uh, you know, Matthew, is, Matthew, as we said, is currently a one-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, one-time Super Bowl champ, and the 2010s uh, All-Hall of Fame team. Uh, the guy has an illustrious career ahead of him, of him is, in, is in a great spot in Casey. We're going to have to wait and see how he pans out there. Can't wait to see. Yeah, me neither. We also talked about the Pro Bowl being canceled for the first time since 1949 due to COVID concerns. We talked about whether we think it should come back or not. We're on the side of, you know, it's time to time to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. We also talked Russell Wilson being named in the Madden 99 club. Well-deserved. Uh, you know, this is going to be one step in him hopefully getting the MVP this year. Can't wait to see that. Definitely. Uh, in, in the NBA, we talked about Tyron Lupe and promoted the head coach of the Clippers. Seems like a perfect fit for him and probably for this Clippers team. We also talked about Daryl Morey stepping down as the Rockets team after a, after a 13-year run that he called great. Uh, and the former and, you know, former vice president, Rafael Stone, will now take over. 
And in, in MLB news, White so the White Sox have been given permission to talk to Tony Larusa for the managerial for the managerial position. Larusa is a Hall of Famer, three-time World Series champ, four-time Manager of the Year, and a six-time pennant winner. Uh, he began his career in Chicago, and it's gonna and you know he may be the guy to bring it back. But you know another guy in the mix right now is, is former Astros manager AJ Hinch, who was who has now become you know famous for his ties in the Astros cheating scandal of 2017. Uh, you know very interesting to see what he might do. Mm -hmm. uh, where this it's going to be interesting to see what this White Sox team does end up doing. Uh, we also talked about Clayton Kershaw falling short in the postseason due to uh, just just because he he just seems to keep on choking, which is unfortunate, but it just is the fact of the matter. Yeah. We also talked about the we also talked about the Red Sox uh, obtaining the number one the number four pick in the MLB draft, trying to see who they'll trying to see how this team is going to either rebuild or try to you know try to half ass a rebuild as we were saying mm -hmm. we talked about the astros making an improbable comeback against the tampa bay rays carlos correa hit a walk-off home run uh you know if they were to come back in this if they were to come back in the series from being down 3-0 it'd be the first time since the boston red sox in 2003 that a team has done so i mean 2004 the it'd be the first time since the 2004 red sox came back uh it would make the astros the second ever team to ever do such a thing uh it seems highly unlikely but you know it's 2020 we've seen weirder things Definitely. Uh, and then we, and then in NCAA news, we talked about Nick Saban's diagnose, diagnosis with COVID. Uh, it, Athletic Director Greg Burney is also tested positive, and we, and it's currently unclear whether he will be able to coach on this upcoming Saturday. Uh, we're, it's gonna, be, it is a crazy, it was a crazy weekend, you know, all sports. Uh, I can't imagine it. I can't imagine it coming down next week. Yeah, no can't, way. Can't wait to get back. Expect in the it. unexpected, like when Andy Dalton hoists the Lombardi Trophy in Dallas. That's a take that we're gonna have to get to next week. Definitely. Uh, but turning the franchise around. Absolutely. But uh, but uh, it is currently now 8:15. I'm Brian Costa. I'm Carter Adams. And this has been Down the Wire. Have a great weekend, you guys, and we'll see you next time.